OTBGAA. Scale has opened the war definitely with the football pod. Where are your power rankings now? The Royal Rumble that's coming our way. Hurling pod versus football pod. Will, you're a coward. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTBGAA. The football pod on Off the Ball in partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All Ireland Club Championships. Hashtag the toughest. Hello there, and you're very welcome along to episode seven of the Football Pod. Finally, Paddy Andrews is here and he's ready to go. James, we every week we torture ourselves waiting for Paddy to get his bloody mic working. Paddy, how do you sound? It's my favourite part of the week. <laughs> I got we were in Belgium last week in an absolute one star college dorm. And we managed to get on quicker than being at home today. Like, Jesus yeah. <laughs> You'd think the, the amount of podcasts we're down at this stage, it might get easier, but it doesn't. Tell you, you, are what, the organ, you are the producer, T. This is technically your fault. Mm, okay, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Jimmy, back me up. We want new headphones, new mics. and I, I definitely need a new Mac. Could be nice I, could, as well, I, could do with a, I could do with a car. <laughs> <laughs> we all could. I could do with a bloody car. <laughs> Golden Nugget not sponsor you down there, no? You don't get anything free anymore, like. Yeah. yeah. Fuck's sake. Joking. No, we were looked after recently, lads. I don't know, did it arrive in the post? The coffee from Dave of... Oh, it F- did actually. Very F- nice. Well, it did actually. And yeah, FC Roaster. That was nice. Appreciate that, Dave. Yeah. Got a class little um little setup there. He sent on a few Filter bits. and everything. Yeah, it was very good. So there you we, go. We so Dave has done more for us than you have, Tommy, but that's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's Quality coffee as well. I'm a big fan of my coffee. But do you know where that came from? That came from you boys having a little chat about your favourite coffees a couple of weeks ago. So maybe we should I'm do a little bit. a technology fan as well. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> One thing I love, it's high-end technology. For anyone yeah. out there. You know, maybe we should have a little chat about cars, you know, and then see where that goes. Are we allowed to talk about coffee? Jimmy, you were flogging some coffee machine. Some dodgy. I, wasn't, I just no, said wasn't. that the Dolce Gusto was tasty coffee. Dolce Gusto. <laughs> so, Dolce Gusto made in Dingle, probably. <laughs> Dolce Dingle. Dolce Dingle. Yeah, very good. No. Anyway, yeah, we're on air, lads. Fair yeah. play. An hour to get set up, but here we are. FC Roaster. Check it out on Instagram. And Dave, thank you. A fellow Bridges man, Paddy. So there you have it. We're being looked after there. And uh, we'll come back to the cars another time. Lads, uh, (laughs) the Carabao Cup final, not to get talking about United here, but the atmosphere I thought was interesting. I don't know what just made of the Newcastle fans waving all their little flags in the 90th minute. Um, Made a bit of noise, created a bit of carnival atmosphere. And I just thought of of James O'Donoghue stuck in the middle of everyone in, in Tralee on a, on Saturday afternoon, James, you were down in the atmosphere. What did you make of it? Was it was there a nice build-up? The game was delayed by 10 minutes. Yeah, well, well, hold on. Everyone used to give the Dubs a bad rep for getting games delayed. So why was the game delayed in Tralee? Everyone was on the piss, Jimmy, right? No, the Kerry supporters were in on time and well-behaved. Right. So by oh, that, do you mean the Armand supporters yeah. were not? No, it's those... I don't know what it was. I don't know why it was delayed, actually. We were in... We've... Just got in nice and handy. We were in a tent and they just said delayed 10 minutes. I don't know why. But um, no, the atmosphere was unreal. But Bigger my crowd, Jimmy, was there? There was. Yeah. I was actually, I was at work. I work in the middle of town. And on on Friday afternoon, I could hear chants of Armagh. Come on, Armagh. Like lunchtime, they on were on. Friday? Oh, a good crowd of them as well. Like, so they were down and they packed the place out on um, Saturday night. 
That's so they brought a great crowd. In did they go back to Clarny? I'd say the crowd that stayed around, a lot of them would stay around in Clarny. Right. It looked classy. It was great to see yeah. it. It was savage. The build up to the game and everything inside in the stadium, there was a nice anticipation. And then, my God, it was the worst game I've seen in the game it was, in a long time. It wasn't that bad. It was. It was shocking. Off. It was honestly, to be fair, like the, even the way the teams came out of the of the dressing rooms was just kind of a bit a bit low, and both warm ups looked a bit kind of kind of no intensity, and then that so carried on to the game. It was just played at half pace. It was like backs and forwards because Armagh were were um, just letting Kerry get the kick out, so it was basically backs and forwards. Just carry the ball up and have a game of backs and forwards for an hour and ten minutes. God. It was just so pedestrian. It was, I must say, okay. it was a very hard watch. We, we, we'll come back. We'll come back to the game because we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive this week on how some of the contenders, some of the chasing pack, are getting on and what they need to get to the next level. So we're going to have a look at a few counties, particularly Armagh, because they were on the box this weekend. Tyrone, and we're going to have a little look at the Dubs as well. So we'll come back to it a little while. The reason I was asking about the atmosphere was that, and I know you've both experienced it. I was so impressed by Castlebar on their lights on Saturday night, lads. They do it right in Mayo. It feels like a proper event. And, you know, last minute call to go to the game, by God, was it worth Tyrone? Tootless is what I'd say they were. But the stand is full 40 minutes beforehand. I don't know who the DJ is, but shout out to him. There was a nice little mix of uh, <laughs> good songs, a bit of Bruce thrown in. I really liked it. The tea was was decent. Uh, the fellas are, are, are you working for a tourism mail here? Like I'm just saying, they just if if you had an American cousin who was over in Ireland for the first time and they wanted to see a game again, I wouldn't bring football, them to Castle Bar. I'd bring them to Castle Bar on a cold Saturday night under lights. <laughs> Where else would you go? How many were at it? There was twelve thousand. It, it the Galway one looked busier. Stand was, was full. Stand was, was full. I'd say uh, so. Yeah. I, I thought the Galway game was it looked like a bigger. It was the open night of the league, and obviously it's a local derby as well. Like yeah, but uh, and it was not, only kids behind the But the stand itself was full. But there was just a good atmosphere and a good yeah, vibe. No, you could see that. You could see yeah. it. Mayor were going well as well, which which always helps. Yeah. But you could see that around a lot of the grounds. Like like say Tralee. If you're watching on the telly, it it looks it just looks better mm. when Austin Stack Park is packed. Or there was a big crowd in Clownus as well for Monaghan, Ross Common, and then Same in Navin. Navin, the yeah. noise in Navin, lads, and the loud the loud fans made a lot of noise and they quite Navin later on. Well, it's strong going, isn't it? Because it was reading the League of Ireland's just started as well. This is their mm. second weekend, and they've never had as big attendances. They're all yeah. sellout games, GA games, sellouts. The rugby's always kind of busy enough as it is. Like, but mm. Irish people are just mad for games now, aren't they? It must be so. must be a little bit of post COVID as well, like. You had two or three yeah. years we yeah. couldn't go to games, but GAA, soccer, rugby, we love sport all yeah. over the country. But to see the massive crowds at all the grounds, it's class. It is great to see. I, th- I think there's a little bit of a sweet spot here, though, and, I, and this is what I'm trying to get at in a kind of roundabout way. Can we develop a little bit more of a fan culture? you know, around these games. Because you'll, you'll have people, you know, travelling across the country and they might stay in a B&B for the night or, you know, go, and, go out in the beer with a couple of friends or go for a little trip for the weekend. But do we need to develop buses going to games? Or when I was driving home and I have a big bugbear with how slow trains are in this country, there was an empty train going by from Galway to Castlebar. And I was like, why not have a party train going to these games? Like, we could absolutely <laughs> develop this a bit more. Well, like, Kerry Supporters Club have two buses going to away games and they have 
Great crack. Brilliant. Okay. So, uh, no. That would be like, what, county boards put it on? Maybe, but just you're well, marking them like a bit if, better, like, you know? If you're the Armagh crew going down, that's a long trek down. You'd, you'd want to make a weekend of it in Kerry. I know Dublin Dublin had a pretty decent crew going to Cork a yeah. couple of weeks ago uh, for a weekend. You know, they're like Galway. Nice of them to get to see some sheep and cows and some green yeah, fields. Yeah, the different kettle of fish now. Yeah, an outreach <laughs> programme. But, um, no, it would be great. And like I said, the rest of the league games, the size of the stadiums suited as well. It's yeah. kind of that ten to 20,000, that, that sweet spot that it looks great on TV. We spoke about playing in these games. It's a great atmosphere. Mm. We don't need to go over all ground. The old Dublin Clare match and Croker Saturday night, another soulless. Oh, <laughs> the, do- the double header as well. Event. Um, but now I agree, T. Um, yeah. Just it seems like thought. the public are mad to go to these gigs. Um, most of the games in the National League are, are usually quite good <laughs> the weekends notwithstanding um, but no I, I think it's great to see but yeah of course the, the more yeah. county boards the more this we sound like US again don't we we're going big time Todd Bowley Paddy, Paddy Todd Bowley that's who we, we should go football pod party bus one game oh. per week okay oh I'm liking this James alright you went just who drives this? Huh? I'm not yeah. driving <laughs> no, we're not driving. We're doing Tommy will drive the back of the bus. <laughs> Tommy, you drive me and Jimmy around. There's <laughs> <laughs> a three seater. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Motorbikes, mo- little sidecars. <laughs> uh, who's on? Where would we go this weekend? Who's the big game this weekend? Oh, yeah, there's some good games this weekend. And a couple Derry. of <laughs> Dublin Derry. Yeah, Derry up in Tyrone. Yeah, a couple of games that matter. You know, you got Dublin Derry, you got. Uh, Kildare and Loud and this is actually a question I had home form is obviously so important in these league games when you're eyeing up teams you even see the way Roscommon win their two games in the Hyde Monaghan have won their last two games at home in Clonus what on earth is happening with Kildare being absolutely decimated at home it's it's a weird one isn't it I would say they should have lost to Clare as well Like they, they could be in a lot more bother than they are yeah. But out of all the divisions, is that are, is Kildare's collapse really? Is that arguably the the big biggest surprise across all four divisions? I don't know what I'm missing. I don't know what I'm missing here because like we were excited about Kildare last year and yeah. they had a pretty good league, pretty good year. I was saying to you earlier, T, the National League, particularly this, like it's still February technically, you know, it's March on, on Wednesday. It's still early in the season, and the National League, particularly in the early rounds, you do get that kind of drastic um, Jekyll and Hyde performances from week to week mm. and as we're saying towards the end of the National League you start seeing that bit more consistency but Kildare have been awful in all of their games yeah. and and the worrying thing like the teams can lose by a couple of points you've seen how close some of the games are but they are being absolutely hammered Yeah, they're being wiped and, and again Derry and Newbridge absolutely like they're beating was 14-15 points in the end Derry honestly could have scored six or seven goals. Like that could have been way, way worse than it was. Like they, they, they kind of scraped the win, nicked the win at the death again against Clare over Nennis, which as Jimmy's right. Other than that, they would be, be themselves in Limerick. Could have drift. They'd be gone nearly. 55, a, 55 minutes until they kicked their fourth score of the game in, at home. Like, it's, it's just... just but psychologically, it's, it's, it's not like it's not defensively they're malfunctioning. Yeah. It, it's like the whole thing. It's not like one thing is going well. It just seems across the board they're being wiped. And of all the divisions, I, I can't think of anyone who is underperforming to the level that Kildare are at. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's very very surprising. And and yeah. if you're a Kildare fan, which I know there's lots of them, that is, I'm going to Loud at the weekend. If they don't win that game and, and form, you wouldn't have to win it either. It's going to be um, tough. They could be out of the Sam Maguire like. Oh, hundred percent. They're in serious trouble. Yeah. Mm. But they, like last year, they had a good thing going by the end of the year. They should have beaten Mayo. They should have been in the All Ireland quarterfinal. Realistic. They should have beaten Mayo in the qualifier. Mm-hmm. This year, there was no bounce at all. They just looked so flat, just so dead in the legs. And even if you're very well conditioned this time of the year, it'll nearly get you over the line in some of the games. Just pure attitude and legs. Yeah. But that's not even getting them it's, anywhere. It's, it's even, not their, even, even their structure, like you're looking at how easily Derry cut through them. Like, like they're conceding massive scores. The opportunities, like, like Mark Donald actually makes a couple of saves for them. He did, yeah. <laughs> to kind of keep them... Not at bay because they still lost by 14, 15 points, but they keep the scoreline semi-respectable. Like, Derry just walked through them. So you're thinking, is that a fitness thing? Maybe a little bit. We know how well-conditioned Derry are, but just defend their structure. What are they trying to do? Like, mm. but it's, it's, You think it's, a, you think it's well. a leadership thing as well? Like, surely someone in the camp would say, right, let's all pull in here and stop the yeah. goal chances coming at least or do something to stop the tide but it definitely comes down to a bit of leadership on the field yeah but it's tricky you know, one. That's, what, that's what I think Sunday against Loud is massive for them like they're, star- they're staring down the barrel we, sp- we spoke about how important Division 2 is in the context of, of the entire season this year with the link to the championship and the Sam McGuire and Talton Cup if you're in that Kildare team the players we know their management team are, are kind of Kildare legends and things like that but you're right Jimmy someone on the, on the pitch needs to say we cannot afford to carry on sleepwalking mm. into the Talton Cup and being relegated. They need a massive reaction this week in training. And you're, like, we've, we spoke about it, Jimmy, in, before. With, you had a bad National League defeat. Jack O'Connor spoke about it after Kerry were beaten and they got the reaction against their man. He, he was pissed off with how they performed and wanted a reaction. If you're in the Kildare dressing room this week, like this game against Loud is, is basically a championship match for them. This yeah. thing's really... Mm-hmm. They, they need, you're expecting a big reaction but we said that after the court game that you yeah. expect a big reaction and they scrape out they shouldn't have beaten Clare it was a weird one that and, was a, and I was at that again. yeah it's it's a worrying thing for Clare most certainly for Glenn Ryan they need something and they need it quick and going Mickey Hart's crowd they've won back to back that's not the easiest game they're looking at either absolutely not I, well, it, it, Kildare are actually very strong on paper and I know that we kind of took the mick about Donegal last year being strong on paper and they didn't deliver but <laughs> like they actually have a very strong 1-15 to 15. they shouldn't be getting hammered in Division no. 2 they're, they're actually they're a Division 1 they're a Division 1 side and they're talking about getting relegated from Division 2 like that 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 is shocking it is it is it is, it is a, a tough one to get our head around but as Paddy said, it's February and I'll put this in front of you. We're going to get into the relegation dogfight in Division 2 in a little while. But Kildare's last three games are against Loud, as you said, Limerick, who are zero from four, and Jimmy. Mead. Now, bad news for Kildare fans, that game's in Newbridge. Mead at home in round seven. So if you needed a kick and if you needed a chance to save yourself, you have two local derbies and the team that everyone's beaten, which is Limerick. So Kildare have obviously given them a, ch- a chance with that miraculous late recovery against Clare. So, um, you know, keep an eye on We've seen how that will go. So we'll, we'll dig into that a little later too. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a good pod, lads. I'm looking forward to it. We, we might just fly through some of the results from the weekend because a few things stood out. In Division 1, 
Roscommon's unbeaten record was brought to a close by Monaghan. Monaghan winning their second game on the bounce, 14 points to 11 in Clonus. Donegal drew 1-9 apiece with Galway. I'm not sure if you saw Paul Connery's free the stand footage from Michael McMullen. I, I think it was wide. And you know why? Connery's reaction. I thought Connery's reaction, this is funny, I thought Connery's reaction was nailed it and I'm running away with the head down. No, <laughs> I t- if you kick Who that tweeted score, it? Uh, Michael McMullen, I'll send it on to you. But it, 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 I do, from that, it starts out most, like there's obviously a big wind up there. We know that. You can see that in, in the game. It starts out, it's nailed on. It's going over. Mm. But it is tailing big time. And it, like if you're, <laughs> it's the last kick of the game. If you're Conroy and that is over the bar and you're certain, you are like giving it to the ref or the linesman. And if you're a Joyce, you're causing a scene there. Yeah. And we see Jack O'Connor <laughs> trying to start uh, Royal Rumble there the first day up at Bally Buffet when um, he, he was questioning one of Donegal's points. I just think the reaction. Yeah. Because you know, like you know if it's over the bar or not yourself. I think that that looks comfortably over. And it starts out, it looks it. And, and I, I just think, if Con, Jimmy, you've had this situation before. You kick a score... You know, it's, you know if it's over or you know if it's wide and if it's over and particularly in that situation to win the match last kick of the game you are going fucking mental you're going ratchet it's not yeah. given but what I would say he's just way more mature than us which wouldn't be very <laughs> difficult um, but now I, I think his reaction I was kind of thinking maybe it might have been wide what, yeah. what, what I would say is that referee has his eyes on it Linesman has his eyes on it. And I actually went back and watched the TV footage. But I will say, in fairness to the two umpires, I was looking at their positioning. What age were they? They're both right underneath (laughs) the goalpost. (laughs) They have they have a little word with themselves. And to be fair, yeah, get their stories straight. To be fair, I said Hawkeye would have taken a look. But if Hawkeye showed the ball going over the post, which there's a chance it did, even if Hawkeye doesn't work at Broker, never mind. It's wide. So if it was over the post, it was wide. So we'll, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt that Conroy's shot was wide. Anyways, but as well, sometimes the worst angle to see a shot going over the bar is where the umpires are standing. Are we, are we, <laughs> like, we don't have this again, Jimmy. <laughs> we were getting a lot of complaints in last year about you slating the umpires. But I agree, that is a terrible position. But I, do you know who's reffing? David Calder, great fella, made man. I'm going to give him yeah. the benefit of the doubt as well. Man. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's, that's he, fair. He was ref for a couple of our All-Irelands, all so he's it, great. It is, there you go. It is fair to say <laughs> that Donegal have got the rub of the green done now twice. Like Jacko was complaining about a phantom point. Okay, that one, I, I'm going to say Connors is wide there. That's grand. But I, I said that, and the Donegal fans were saying, sure, that doesn't matter. We kicked 18 wides. Right. As if kicking 18 wides means that they should have won the game. Donegal's still worry for Donegal. Yeah. Um, no, look, there was a big breeze. Obviously, they were playing into that in the second half, but Galway schooled them in the second half. Got, like, yeah. for, for part of choice to be looking on, even with all the injuries, you now they got Rob Finnerty back at the weekend, they kicked a couple of scores. Like, Galway should have beat May on the first night, and they yeah. should have beaten Donegal there as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. they, they should be really pushing to, to win this thing, and they've left a couple of results behind. But for Donegal, particularly with Monaghan's resurgence, I would still worry for Donegal in terms yeah. of keeping the Division 1 status. So, look, yeah. it was a valuable point for them. Jason McGee's point, brilliant kick in those conditions. And yes. like, that was this tough, tough breeze and he nails that kick. Galway would be disappointed with it because mm-hmm. he's kicked it from inside the D, which is, you know, you're, the, the structure of Galway are playing defensively. You're pissed off if you're giving away that score. And I'm sure they are. They have lots of bodies around, but he still gets the shot off. And it could be a valuable point for Paddy Carr and for Donegal, but... Absolutely. 
I still haven't been overly impressed with them, even though they, they got that emotional win on the first weekend against Kerry. I think they are still right in trouble. Well, well yeah, like they, they're brilliant at home, Donegal, but they, they're going to struggle in their away games. I think yeah. I think the Galway are going nicely. I think Galway are in a great position. Yeah, they're not. Tierney was good today again, wasn't he? Yeah, he was outstanding. Yeah, he was brilliant. Oh, you are. We always talk about conversion rate. You are only as good as your conversion rate. There's no point in saying we kicked 18 wides as if it's a good thing. <laughs> That'd be great. Look. <laughs> yeah. Sure, that you could just go and start throwing legs at anything if that was the case. <laughs> Thirty wise today, we're flying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, like I, I would say, if you can get your conversion rate, and Dublin set the standard always. They were always seventy five percent hitting eighty percent, and in some games, I think even tipped eighty yeah. percent. If you can get to the, if you can get to those levels, you have a great chance of beating anyone because you'll always have those 25, 30 shots. Yeah. The only caveat, Jimmy, is that like it's still horrendous conditions. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you could see Gale Force wins there. You could even see yeah. it in Tralee. Sure. Actually, you couldn't really see it on the telly, but I played played in Tralee. You could see, understand there's a tricky wind going into the um, the end that Armand were shooting into the second half. Like Shawnee Shea drops a free short. I, was I, was goal. Goal. I don't know why. Yeah, uh, we didn't take that off the deck for some reason. Must maybe with the injury. He had, yeah, he he was he's had a bit of a, a nick in the knee, and I'd say he's he just the confidence yeah, in it in, in hitting it in hitting with power. I don't think is there yet because even when he dropped that free short, he was trying to give. I think it was Adrian Slan the eyes to just go short and kind of be yeah. out here. I get a one-two and maybe bring it closer. But but why the making Jimmy? It's still quite tricky conditions to be kicking. Yes. Really high conversion rates, um, True. but but yeah, that that yeah. it would be a worry if that carries on into the summertime. Um, what if you're if you're having 18, 19 wides, you would want to be some team to be kicking those wides and still absolutely, win. Yeah. yeah. Well, Donegal, Donegal we, so as you mentioned, Donegal round five next week, so it's three games in a row, which is round five next week. They have Armagh away, and then they've Mayo at home in round six, and they have Roscommon away in round seven. The key game lads in Division One in that relegation battle could come down to round six and Clonus, Monaghan at home against Tyrone. I was, as I mentioned, in Castlebar at the weekend to see Tyrone against Mayo 4 10 to 12. We're going to come back to that later. And as we mentioned, Kerry 12 points, Armagh 11 in Division 2. A couple of eye catching results um, Derry 2 15, Kildare 7 in Newbridge. Mead, 14 man Mead that Harry O'Higgins sent off after 22 minutes. It's always hard when you're not at a game to know what's going on here. I was listening to the LF- LMFM commentary and everyone was sure it was a yellow, nothing more. I had a look at the footage afterwards and it was a little bit like, do you remember Galligan's red card in the Talchin Cup last year? Mm. Or John Small's shoulder against McLaughlin. Sort of similar. Where We've been on the end of this one, T. Catches him. Speaking I from think, experience. I think it's a red. I think, I think it is a red. You've got yeah. to be careful. Player safety. Yeah. Do you know what gets him, right? And this is kind of a grainy footage you're going to get from the stand on the phone. He kind of, after the hit, his arm is raised as well. Like, like he's going into doom, which is fine. But I think this blindsiding players, mm. I just think it's it's dangerous. Like, mm, it's it dangerous. Old, old school, you love those hits where a guy, the ball's coming over and he can't see it coming. I think the ref, I, I think don't think right, that yeah. should be allowed to carry on. And maybe that's being soft, but it's it's a dangerous tackle. If, if a player doesn't see you coming, even if you're shoulder to shoulder, your head can collide with them. They're not braced. Like, like I said, I had this one myself. Yeah, it's with Morgan. Bad, bad injury. Um, and I think I'm not I'm, I would be for outlawing those challenges 
if a guy if it's shoulder to shoulder and guys are coming and they can see it coming knock yourself out or sorry bad phrase there go for it and, and go for the collision <laughs> but uh, but when someone is blind so they don't see him coming I think that's fair because when you when you think of the amount of S&C and strength work that's going in nowadays oh, those are beasts they're yeah. animals and they're finely tuned and you're taking Got a hit no of chance no chance the only thing they'll be fellas running backwards down the field <laughs> <laughs> they won't be looking next time they get a shoulder into the way. Thanks. Uh, but anyways, Mead were still five points up with 10 minutes to go in that game. And I don't know if you saw the goal, Craig yeah. Lennon's goal, but uh, Mead are playing a little bit of keep ball. A pass goes back. I don't know how their final defender is 70 yards from their own goal. But Craig Lennon intercepts. The Mead mm. defenders do well. They bottle him up and he buries it and Loud go on and, and win that game. That could be a massive, massive result. We had a very similar one. You might remember this. I think we spoke about before against Donegal in 2016 with Keno Sullivan and Crow Park. We're doing Pass. the exact same thing. Intercepted. Yeah, we're keeping it and he kind of just skews one off his boot. It was around that side of the pitch as well and Ryan McHugh of all people gets it and literally it was on Donegal's 45 and we were all thinking, fuck. He played, a wee, he played a wee one too before Palmer. Yeah, but it's just we, we, the way destructive when they're playing that keep ball. You need to keep two at home. Yeah, plus two. That was our the five the findings the after action review keep two back keep two if, yeah. I, I think that me they're going to me they're going to have teething problems in in a lot of these things because they're so that new. Happen, yeah, yeah they like are. they're going to have they're going to be caught with a lot of those kind of things that teams three or four years down the road wouldn't even dream of happening, but they're going to be caught with them this year. And I I would say I, I think you're tell right. you what right I was laughing it's some run for, from Lennon. Because if you're thinking, Jimmy, if me or you get that ball, even if we intercept it, we're not out running 80 yards. Like, yeah, yeah. We'd have clipped it over the bar from 45. Like. Throwing outside the left. Uh, but it was a quality oh, finish. Catch me. He dummies it too. Like, like the ball gets knocked out of his hand and he does a lovely little dummy bounce before before burying it. So, yeah, yeah great goal. for Loud and for Mead. They would have been yeah. penciling that one in to win that. Yeah, they would have. Yeah, and you know what? They probably could. They probably should have won the game. Really. But like they were, they were four points to zero up. They had the chest out. They were going well. They wrestled back momentum in the second half, and they were in a great position. But as you said, James, like their full back line is three lads who are in their first ever intercounty year. Like that. That's how raw they are. So yeah. they're get, they're getting that exposure. They're, not, they're getting that chance. So I think if Mead stay up with a couple of wins to go, they'll be happy enough. Moving on, um, Dublin. 16 points, Claire 15. Speaking of radio commentary and not being able to tell what way something's really going, by God, the Claire FM boys, great, great coverage laid on, but they were fuming. They were absolutely fuming. They ran out of gas. They felt like they were absolutely robbed. The free count was 10 to 1 with 10 minutes to go in Crow Park. But uh, even a draw, even a draw would have been good enough for Clare and they were on the attack in the last minute and the Dublin move to win that game, you have to say, whether or not, whether it was a free or not, the Sunday game footage somehow came in a second after the collision so we don't know whether it was a controversial call or not and McCaffrey takes off, Costello does the business, the Dubs get the job done. We'll come back to Dublin a little later but um, we'll come back to that game a little later on but that was that result and finally in Division 2, James O'Donoghue's Cork. <laughs> James O'Donoghue's car that's what we're calling them 618 to 12 points they are now the joint top scorers across all four divisions with 
Andy Moran's Leitrim. James Dunham's Cork and Andy Moran's Leitrim. I tell you what, I tipped Tyrone to win the league this year. So that's actually looking worse <laughs> than Jimmy's Cork one. So yes. thank God it wasn't as bad from the opening night. Like. There you go. Uh, you never know. If Derry beat Dublin, Dublin probably won't lose again, is the only thing. If Cork, if that goal from Hurley went in, Tom, you were saying earlier, if that oh, goal if went in. They all went in, so we'd all be great. The width of the post and the tip of a glove. That's all it was from keeping Dublin. But in that's what it, yeah, it is what everything comes down to. But Dublin are not motoring well at all. We'll at come all. back to that. We'll come back to that because I want to get through Division 3. Antrim are making a bad habit out of losing games in the last minute when they're in control of them. They conceded 1 3 to Fermanagh in injury time. Uh, Sean Quigley again two weeks in a row palming in a goal in around the square fox in the box whatever you want to call him there's a fine line between being mercurial and a marquee forward (laughs) and I think Quigley is just nailing it on the head at the minute Uh, what a man which one is he? Uh, he's marquee at the minute Uh, one by a point for Mana so that's uh, they're making a good habit of that Offaly 14 points to 21 won their first two games have lost the last two Cavan beating them this time Cavan are getting the job done they're sailing through Division 3 Impressive from Cavan isn't it like Very impressive very yeah. impressive and we'll keep an eye on that one because um, yeah they're they're in good form and cooking going into Ulster Longford and Tip are both struggling for a win and what happens when they meet each other they draw it. 11 to 14 points. So that's all, all roads leading to Division 4 from that game. For both, yeah. Mm. And in another game, and this was a big one, Westmead were six points clear, seven points clear. Oh, down, down had only kicked me. four points with 50 minutes gone. Down kick 1-7 without response to win by 111 to 13. The bet Westmead by a point. John Heston had a, a late, late free to equalise it. And apparently... The down fans in Uri, and this is the benefit of having home games. They smashed their boots off the ground. They rattled all the seats. They screamed and they roared. Laverty was hopping up and down the sideline. The down bench were going nuts. And Heslin missed the free and down one. That could be an absolutely huge win for down. They're playing Cavan next. Yeah. And if they can get anything off Cavan, whether it's a draw or to get a win, down, you'd have to say, are right into the promotion hunt to get back. Brilliant job from Laverty so far. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely. top of getting a bounce. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, a momentum. Momentum, absolutely. So we'll keep an eye on Division 3 closely. It's going to be really interesting over the next few weeks. And the top of the table chase in Division 4, there are five teams in the promotion hunt now. Wicklow, with perhaps one of the results of the weekend, they yeah. bet Leash away by 212 to 210. A huge win for Ushie McConville and Wicklow. A few accumulators first, let down there. I swear that the first time, first positive thing I said about Leash in three years in this podcast last <laughs> and go and lose to fucking Wicklow the following weekend. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we'll take it all back. Friends of Leash. Yeah, well, Wicklow lads were... Very were tight five. in Division 4, aren't they? But you're talking about accumulators there. Wicklow were 5-1, to one, like. Ooh. And uh, they hammered Leash last year in the championship. Kevin Quinn scored yeah. a hat-trick and they hammered Leash. So the eyes were off the ball there. So fair play to anyone um, who knew that Wicklow were going to get the job they done. Win for fair play win. So they're on five points. Wexford uh, dispatched of Waterford who are still without a result. Um, Neil Ewing wrote a, a piece in the Examiner, former Sligo footballer, about what Waterford can do to get a bit of spark going in the county. Ify Fitzgerald was out this week, their manager talking about how it's at such a low ebb and they're they're just at rock bottom. And you just feel for them because there's some quality footballers in that Waterford side. The Rock Gormick lads have, have proven over the years how good they are. Conor Murray has shown it. He was actually sent off the weekend. They're, they just can't get a win at the minute. So something has to happen to spark something in, in football in the county. Um, but they lost to Wexford. Wexford are on five points. So they're outside shot of promotion. And three teams are on six. Leitrim, yeah. big win against Carlow. That was 
uh, going to be a tricky tie. But Carlo, I have to say it, they're bottom of the fair play table. I don't know who's keeping count, but they have five red cards and nobody else is anywhere close to it. Three lads nice. sent off at the weekend. Um, so Carlo are making a habit of that. They were beaten by 15 points by Leitrim and Sligo got over a tricky game against London or what mm-hmm. you would have expected to be a tricky game. Lads, busy weekend. There's another busy weekend to come. So we're going to have a look at the contenders, the chase and pack. We're going to have a look at the relegation dogfight and, and chat a bit more about Division 3 and 4. This is episode seven of the Football Pot. It is brought to you every week by AIB, proud sponsors of the Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. We'll be back right after this, talking football. Jimmy, that's the worst mug I've ever seen for a cup of scrum. China Cup, boy. Unreal. It's fucking tragic. That's perfect. I like a thin That's a milk Beautiful. That's- you're very welcome back to episode seven of the Football Pod. Just said I'd give you a little insight there into what happens when we take a break here on the pod. James goes off for his cup of tea. James, give us another look at the mug there. That's your mammy's good china, is it? Yeah, it's the worst mug. My grandmother's china. Oh, th- that is smashing mug because it's a nice... Uh, granny, if we're down doing a roll show, I'll bring down a few high-end. There's, there's a bit of character in it. I can see some tea stains yeah, on is. the outside as well. It's character. It hasn't been washed in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the character, that's, yeah. That's where you get the taste. Okay. Yeah, it's like a frying pan. John, you're not supposed to wash the frying pan. I don't wash my mugs either. Nah, we're going <laughs> to get into uh, the contenders and the chasing pack here, but we're going to start with something a little different here now. I had this idea at the weekend when James sent us a voice note of his actual reaction to how bad he felt Kerry Armagh was at the weekend. But <laughs> maybe, no, maybe we shouldn't because that's just going a little bit too far beyond the veil. So slow and boring. I ended up getting a WhatsApp a little later with a question that somebody wanted to ask the pod. So I'll ask you who you think it is afterwards. Kevin Caban. Tommy, I want you to ask the lads about a technique in uh, Gaelic football that I've, I think I've mentioned it to you before in the past. Um, James Carr's goal on Saturday. Um, great goal it was. Great pass from Aidan O'Shea. But look at his technique for finishing the goal. So many of the of the Gaelic players, when I watch them, they always look to get that clean strike, you know, almost on the side foot or get the clean strike, which obviously when you get a clean strike, the ball rises. James Carr struck the ball into the ground. So it, it actually doesn't look like a clean, sli- a clean strike, but it was a deliberate strike, I felt, the way that he shot. And I think the keeper then, as he's coming out to make the save, with that clean strike, has more chance to make the save because it, it's obviously on the rise, the ball, whereas the way that Carr hit it into the ground, the keeper's actually no chance because it's bouncing under him. Um, I just wondered if that was anything that the lads had thought about. Is that Bex? In terms of finishing when they get one-on-one with a goalkeeper. I don't know, I'm just interested in that. No, it's, it's not Bex. Any other guesses, James? Bex listens to the podcast. Unreal. Well, David, I'm glad. Thanks for the question. <laughs> podcast ambassador alongside Qatar. David yeah, sure. uh, it's actually uh, Kevin Caban getting in touch. Big Mayo fan. Um, Legends, you've heard yeah. from James. Yeah, he's getting in touch. Big listener to the pod. Kevin, great question. Thanks very much for sending it in. So, Cheers, we, Kev. We roll the James Carrier uh, goal here on... Um, on YouTube, um, it's courtesy of GA now and, and TG Carr. So, James, one on one with the keeper. Can mm-hmm. you, you do you get what Kev is getting at here? Hundred um, percent. I actually do, and I actually good friends with Brian Kelly, the former Kerry goalie. He said every save he makes is is from like hip to shoulder. Yeah. People, when you're going through on goal and you hit it at that height, it's so easy for the keeper to make the save. Whereas if it's on the deck, it could be a scuttery one, but once it hits the deck. It's so hard to save. And 
I agree. If you put it on the deck and any bit of a scuttery one, it has a much better chance of going in. So a clean strike, a clean strike, not necessarily the best chance of actually scoring. It was a great example in the second half, Jimmy, in that game, Dermot O'Connor's chance where he goes through and... He was only going one place and it was down the middle. No, not his goal. No, his goal oh, yeah. rattles it. But uh, he's a play before that and Niall Morgan saves it. It's that. He tries to yes. strike for his left foot and it's like Morgan probably could have caught it. Yeah. yeah. O'Connor uh, hits it over the bar off the deck. But yeah, when you're running through and goal, it is that tendency. We spoke about this last year. Open the body up, whip it to the far corner. I, I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think James Carr is intentionally trying to hit that into the ground. Can I, can I actually counter that? Because I accidentally had counter, the, goal, uh, the, goal against, the goal against Kerry rolling here too. And it's different, but he hits that into the ground as well and it bobbles it in. Maybe it is. I, I haven't, it's, it's definitely not the, uh, it's not the most popular form by all accounts. So if James Carr has kind of pulled that out of the bag, fair play to him. And you know, he's, he scored some sensational goals. Yeah. I think he's just hitting that. Um, but I agree with James. Nearly doesn't have to be the cleanest strike. They can nearly cause yeah. the most hassle for goalkeepers. But we've seen that in soccer. And I'm sure that's what yeah. Kevin might have seen. It. It's a couple of players, they're doing that and it bounces over the keeper. And it is Ooh. intense. I think Fabregas used to do it. Did we say Marius? We've seen it a couple this oh, season. Oh, yeah. I've seen a bit of Marius, yeah. yeah. Marius doing a bit of that. Hitting it into the ground. I saw it as well. 2002 World Cup. Rivaldo. Oh. oh. I remember. I had the World Cup video. Was it 2002 or 2008? VHS. Must be 2002. Yeah, I had the videotape. I must have watched it a thousand times. I remember the ball came across and he all he had to do was tap it in, but the keeper kind of went down onto his foot and instead of dinking it, he just <laughs> put it with his, his almost studs into the ground and up over the keeper. It was absolutely unbelievable. Like so James Carr, bit of a Rivaldo. Hey, Rivaldo was Mercurial. There you go. <laughs> Maybe James Horn was onto something. Well, I see the link. There it is. I love it. Okay. Rivaldo of Castlebar. The Rivaldo of Castlebar. I'm going to keep an eye on Jimmy Carr now this weekend. Kevin, great question. Much. Great question, yeah. Kev. Thanks for sending it in. People and if anyone else... Yeah, we'll, we'll have to get a bloody football pod WhatsApp. But I, you know what? You can send voice notes on Instagram and send in your questions on Instagram. It doesn't have to be a voice note. You can send them in as well. And who knows? Maybe someday we will release the WhatsApp diaries from our football pod group at the weekend because it's very, very quiet, our WhatsApp group from Monday to Friday. But it's lit when the football is on. <laughs> <laughs> Lads, we said we'd have a look at a few little bits this week. James, you brought us a bit of a deep dive on Galway last week and how you felt their squad depth was going. Paddy, you put your hands up this week. You wanted to have a little look at Armagh. They're on TV again this week. They're playing Donegal, so we'll get a good look at them. This weekend again, they are on TG Car, I believe, on Sunday. And um, I'll get those games in a second. But they're on TG Car on Sunday, I think. and um, Or Saturday night, I believe. So Armagh, right? We are looking at them last year. Uh, the impress is all in the league. Flattered to deceive in Ulster. Bounce back. Knocked Donegal and Tyrone out. Got to an All-Ireland quarterfinal. Fell just short in an epic against Galway. Didn't feel like they were that far away by the end of the summer. What do mm. they need to get to the next level? Um, Yeah, I, I was really looking forward to this game on Saturday night. And I feel it, it's kind of hard to get a judgment on it. it. It was very clear, literally from two or three minutes in, um, Armagh had a pretty specific game plan for this game. Um, and it wasn't the... Uh, like we said, when Armagh first came in, into Division 1, they were brilliant to watch. It was attack from everywhere. It was 100 miles an hour. It was so refreshing to see that. Um, and you were hoping that they might bring that to Tralee on Saturday night, but they absolutely didn't. 
Um, it was very much a containment game plan, conceded kickouts across the board. Even when they'd freeze, and, 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 and I was listening to, I was listening to it, Jimmy was at it, but Amy Fitzmaurice made this point, even for free kicks, um, they were conceding and dropping everyone back. And we would always felt in, in our Dublin team that if there was a time we were going to go after kickouts and really try to get a press on, the best time to do that is with a free kick because you, you have the guts of 60 seconds to get set and get ready. Uh, everyone comes up the pitch and you can really go after it. And where it's too chaotic and play, but our man didn't even do that. So you just got the sense they were coming to spoil Kerry um, and try and dog their way to a victory uh, by bringing 15, 14 guys behind the ball and leaving someone up the pitch. So that's not normally the way they play most of the time. So it wasn't really a fair reflection of it. But I was disappointed with Armagh on Saturday night. I have to say, if I put myself in their shoes, um, I think they were going in there to make a statement, to try and make it a dogfight against Kerry and kind of dog them out and get a win on Tralee. And okay, that would have been a, a really positive thing for the group. It didn't work in the end, so they look kind of, there's not a whole lot of positives they can take from it. But if I was Armagh going down there, this is not Kerry at full strength. They're nowhere near at championship level for Kerry. They're still missing guys. Okay, Sean O'Shea and David Clifford came back at the weekend. We can see clearly that those guys aren't at the level that we, that we know they can get to. I thought it was an opportunity for Armagh to go and blow Kerry out. Really. Okay. And, and they didn't do that at all. You thought and, Kerry were vulnerable this week? Yeah, and we've said that. We said that from day one, that Kerry throughout this National League campaign are vulnerable. They're not going to be at their peak. 100%. We've seen it in all of their performances. And even with Clifford and Sean O'Shea back, and we knew they'd start because they seen game time in Castlebar the week before, they're not. They're nowhere near the Clifford and Sean O'Shea we're going to see in the summer. So I, I just thought it was an opportunity for Armagh to really go down there and just go, we're going to play our style and go from everywhere and attack and they didn't do that. And then you could say, well, McGinney or, or, or Karen Donnie might come out and say, well, if you go toe-to-toe with Kerry and we, we leave it man-on-man, David Clifford's going to destroy you. I can understand that point as well, but I just think it was an opportunity for him to, to play a bit more expansive. Um, and we didn't really get a true reflection of what Armagh can do there, but it was disappointing from them. But I'd like to see them again a couple of more times over the next couple of weeks to see... Um, because there are areas definitely they can prove most certainly up front as well. Yeah, it's Saturday but evening. In fact, I think you know, Saturday the the they're, they're on TV against Donegal. Yeah, on TG Car. But if you look at Kerry's games coming up to to this patty, right? Kerry were struggling up front, so you yeah. think now is the time almost for Armagh to take some risks because yeah. the threat isn't going to be as much from Kerry. So they they went fifteen behind the ball for the whole game. For the okay. whole game. And there was times when they turned Kerry over and they had the ball for maybe three or four seconds, which is, you know, enough time to, to run a, a decent amount of yardage. And they still had nobody in the Kerry half. Mm. You know, like the, the game was so condensed into a small portion of the game for the whole thing. And last year, we almost we almost associated our man with kind of this blockbuster football where they're sending in yeah. long balls and catch him getting runners off, textbook scores. They didn't put himself in a position to do that at all on, on Saturday night. No, was, and, and, and that was a disappointment. And, and you can see it. And there's a couple of teams who nearly put Tyrone on this bracket as well. Derry, most certainly. Um, the trend of bringing all your players back, nearly playing in a wave. that uh, Get 15 back and when we turn them over, we get 15 forward and it's up and down the pitch. There's no forward structure there. Mm. And, and I feel with our mad. that's what I was looking to see for them on on Saturday night, 
is there a structure there? Now, I know they're missing, like Rory Grug will be a very important player for Armad, that he's a league yeah. player. He, he provides an outlet for, for that kick pass. The only, t- Armad were either 15 guys behind the ball and unbelievably slow transitions because they're probably not a peak fitness either to get up the pitch very quickly. Or there was four or five, probably five times in the first half where they won guy inside and it wasn't always reading on it, it was reading on it, Jason Duffy a couple of times and then they just launch a ball in from sticks. Yeah, an unwinnable ball. And oh my, God. even if your man does win it miraculously, he's four carry lads around him. So like that, that's not a good tactic. That wasn't even a kick pass. It was literally just we're going to go so slow or we're going to launch a Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. And I was going, neither of those are, are particularly positive attacking styles. I, I like the idea of our man having variety in their attack, that, okay, we'll run it sometimes. Yeah. On that occasion, we look for that kick pass. They get one score. And Jimmy, I know you've said this about our man the last, last couple of months, speaking about that they don't really get easy scores. It's a Reno O'Neill super score from 50 yards or a hero score from... Ethan Rafferty or something like that. They get one score around 25th minute, Reno O'Neill from play. He's playing mm-hmm. inside full forward. Callum McComsey's coming up the wing. It's a quick transition and he's on the 45 and he sees inside. One bounce pass to the top of the D. Reno O'Neill collects and kicks it over the bar. Happened so quickly, the most innocuous score you can think of mm-hmm. will make no highlight reel, but it was a perfect attacking score that it was their structure, there's a target man, and there's a kick pass, not a fucking 90 yard. Hit. If I was playing in full forward line with our man, you're getting some of those balls, you're pulling your hair out. That yeah. was a, a play where, <laughs> okay, clearly this is what we're looking to do one bounce pass and score. And our man need more of that. But to be able to do that, you have to have structure in your attack. And if mm-hmm. you're going to bring 15 guys back, you're never going to have structure. And you're going to suffer from Berryitis from last year, where they're brilliant defensively, but a, that game has a ceiling. And we've seen that with Derry losing against Galway in the All-Ireland semi-final. They nearly, it was basketball. We bring everyone back and then we build slowly, slowly, slowly without a kick pass outlet. And the, the big thing I would say for, for Armagh to figure out, I don't think they have marquee forwards. That, that is, I think that is an issue for them. Reno Neal is box office, but they don't have an out, like I would play Turbot. They don't, have a temp, they don't have a 10-point game forward outside of one. No, look, you can say every team would want those players. <clears throat> looking at, like for Kerry, we can play Clifford and Sean O'Shea inside. Mm. Let's keep them close to goal. They're going to get us scores. For Galway, we have a Walsh and Comer. For Dublin, you have a Kilkenny, uh, Conor Callahan, you'll have Mannion coming back in. The best teams, Tyrone have it with McCurry. You want two, ideally maybe three guys who are scorers and keep them up the pitch and get the other 12 guys, yeah, let them go back. But the way Armagh, if I was playing Armagh, I would want Reno O'Neill as far away from goal as possible. And the reason being, if he's out at midfield, nearly like the Michael Murphy issue that Donegal had for years, we don't really need to worry about too many of their other forwards as a scoring threat. Jamar Hall, Duffy, um, Grugan is a good link player. Like they're good players, but they're not killers. And, and Reno O'Neill is. And if you have someone like that, if I was Armagh, that's the first thing I'm saying. Play him inside. Stay inside the 21. Okay, you lose a, a bit of his tackling out the pitch. Let the other fucking players tackle. In the, the nicest possible way. He's your killer. Keep him inside. I play Turbot with him because I think he can score as well. Yeah. That's where, give them okay. a target and let the other 13 guys run up and down the pitch. Your Jamar Halls and these guys really game, really fit. But 
I, I'd want that base to have that as a structure because at the minute I just think they're caught between two stools. Yeah, I think that Reno Neal, sorry Tom, I think that Reno Neal gets dragged out as well because he doesn't have a direct supply line. He doesn't have any the relationship with 10, 11 or 12. Yeah, they, they they just don't seem to be getting in positions to give him the ball because as you said, it's so unstructured, it's so all over the place that the mm-hmm. ball could be coming from anywhere. Whereas it's almost like like when you used to say that you revert back to your practice. You know, it needs to be 10, 11, 12, working with Reno Neal constantly, giving him those little balls in. But I... Like Brug- Armand, Brugans, Armand Brugans probably the key there because do you remember Brugans, the, but doesn't the, have, like, Brugans the obvious ball. example Tommy but like he's probably, like Nugent is out missing as well he's an important player for them Duffy has his moments as well their guys like there's good players that can do that job get up and down the wing yeah. tackle loads win breaks but use your marquee if, if Armand had five other scoring forwards then it's a yeah knock yourself out bring Reno O'Neill out to the middle of the pitch play him at 11, yes. get him on the ball. They don't have that luxury. And th- this is where Tony Gall kind of fell into that with, with Murphy, that they had McBrearty, Jamie Brennan, they had Colin McFadden yeah. in earlier years, where they could still score and they could drag Murphy out to impact the game out the pitch. It's alarming, it's alarming how quickly we're talking about Rean O'Neill and that guy. James, what were you going to say there in terms of Armand's attack? No, that was it. I was just saying that th- there doesn't seem to be that relationship between the lines because it's so... It's so all over the place. But what I will say is, I think the both teams at the weekend didn't go in with a big tactical plan, I don't think. I think we can analyse it and say, you know, both teams tried to do this. Because in Jack O'Connor's interview after the game, he said it was all about attitude and work rate for them. They didn't discuss Armagh once. <laughs> and they didn't... That's always didn't. a giveaway, Jimmy, isn't it? Like, like, that's your plan for the week. Go out and get 10 tackles and I don't want to hear about yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think that is genuinely what they did. I'd say Jack O'Connor absolutely rollicked him after last week and he said, go out here and actually just work as hard as you can. But the game didn't take off like that. It was so, there was so low intensity. Like Tom O'Sullivan had 50 possessions from cornerback. 50. What are they doing? Like what's going on there? It's hand passing the ball all the way up the field and Armand aren't getting any pressure on. And I think that That's what I Armand, mean. Decided, Armand decided they were going to get stuck in, but the game was played at such a low intensity that they couldn't get back up the field. Okay. Paddy, three bullet points. What do you want to see this Saturday night? And we're going to move on to Toronto. So what do you want to see from Armad this Saturday night? I'd, I'd like to see more structure in their attack. Mm-hmm. Or, or look, if they're not going to do that, and if McGeady kind of says, no, we're going to play this basketball style, wave football up and down the pitch, and we're going to outwork and outrun teams, I think that has a ceiling as a style of play. And I think yeah. if I was there, I would want Reno O'Neill plus another scorer, and I think Turbot's the best option they have for that. You guys do not leave the 21. And your teammates can say to you, oh, they're lazy, they're not tackling. I've no issue with that. If those guys are going to get possessions, they will score 10 plus points from play between them. Interesting, okay. Let the other guys tackle. I'd love to see, I'd love to see that. That's what they're trying to do. A clear kind of style of play which we didn't see at the weekend because like I, said, I think they just had a specific game plan for Kerry yeah. but the other thing as well that the kind of, I think it's a mentality thing like teams play loads of bodies back if they don't really fancy their defenders that's the reality of it if, if you have the six best man markers you keep your four, you keep your six forwards up the pitch mm-hmm. Kerry would have done it the great Kerry team our Dublin team would have done it you're, you're backing your defenders to win those battles and I know you've got Clifford down there and he's a different kettle of fish but if you're going to bring loads of guys back, it's kind of the same. We don't really fancy our defenders to be able to deal with this. 
And I, I just got that sense from Kerry or from our man Trelay on Saturday night. It was let's contain them here. Let's yeah. try and drag them down. Let's play this, make this into a dogfight and try and get out of here with a win. Whereas I think an unbelievably powerful message our man could have done because I think they're further down the road in terms of fitness and training their career and particularly with Kerry missing guys go down and try and blitz Kerry and Trillie imagine, yeah. imagine the reaction that puts out to the whole country but also the positivity it has in the Armagh camp whereas they try this kind of more negative game plan and it doesn't work yeah, and, yeah. I think well, they'll think it they, they need they need to win this weekend. Like if they are beaten by Donegal, and we may not yeah. be anticipating that, but if they're beaten by Donegal, Donegal are on five points, and Armagh are rooted on three points and in trouble. So keep an eye on that. Uh, we'll keep an eye on the Armagh game plan. I will also add that we christened them the rock stars of the league last year after they blitzed Dublin early on. So maybe McGinney is thinking we don't need to be getting excited in February. Let's just try a different. No, and, and it is so, early T, but I'm just saying that in yeah. terms of what you want to see from them. I'd like to see that that they're attacking style let's get some more of those scores keep them reading yeah. on Eels. Like that, that scored him McComiskey passed to him I was like yes that's, that is that's what the you template. guys okay. need more of but you're not giving yourselves the opportunity to get those scores I watched Tyrone in the flesh Saturday night and as varied and impressive Mayo's attack was once it got going about 18 minutes into this game like all four goals were done differently Tyrone were toothless. And that is the best I can say. First five minutes, McCurry swings over a nice point. Canavan gets his hands on two balls, scores a great point, wins a free that Morgan converts. And you can see that they're rotating Kilpatrick, Kennedy and McShane into full forward line. But they're doing that without having anyone out there willing to kick the ball in. They're half forwards and they're half backs. They still kind of have the same system that they had when they won the All-Ireland in 2021. They don't look to have the same energy that they had back then. So, James, you wrote a piece on your your um, GA blog at the weekend. Is it the Dinky Ball? Is that what we call mm-hmm. it? It's the Dinky the ball. ball. You wrote a piece about the importance of half forwards and why they may be yeah. key this year to success. Can you give us a little bit on why the half forward is so important and also whether Tyrone are maybe missing that at the minute? Mm-hmm. Well, when, when Tyrone won it in 2021... They had Myler and they had McGeary, probably two of the best players in the country that year. And they ran the game from half forward. If you look back at any successful team or any team that has prolonged success, their best players are around that area of the field. They're in the half forward line. They're running the game. And I think if your half forward line takes any bit of a hit in confidence or they're not doing the right things, it affects the half-back line, it affects the midfield, and most importantly, it affects the full forward line. Because the full forward line, whether you like it or not, completely rely on 10, 11, and 12. I've seen it. I've played with some of the best half-forwards. They'd make a player out of you. And some then that, that are doing other things that probably that don't favour you, and you might go the whole game without getting ball as a result. And I just don't think that some teams are doing enough with their half-forward line to be able to complement their scores and their full forward line. And I think probably the most important thing that a lot of teams aren't doing at the moment is being a scoring threat from 10, 11 and 12. Because if you can kick points from that area, the opposition's half-back line has to mark you then. But if you're no threat to the goal whatsoever, the half-back line is going to drop back in front of your McShane's, in front of your Canavan's, in front of McCurry. And they're just going to sweep up all day. There's never going to be kick pass on. So there's a fine line, I think, between 
being selfish and taking responsibility. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, even, Jimmy, you have I, to take the shots to, to, to draw the defence out. I agree with you. And that, that's the point we're making about our man the other night. Yeah. yeah. The one time they kicked the ball inside to Duffy's on Foley in the first half and he gets eaten twice or even one in on Reno O'Neill. Kerry have four or five lads back in front of him. And the reason being is that they know no one else is a threat outside the pitch. Yeah, 100%. Who's the danger man there? And if I'm playing Tyrone now, I'm looking back and going, right, we need to look after McCurry here. And if, like, McGeary was brilliant. McGeary was player of the year when he won the All-Ireland. He had to be picked up. Myler was kind of rotating between half forward and and half back. But he was having such an impact on the game. If you were preparing to play Tyrone, you had four or five problems to deal with. Yeah, yeah. And, And you're looking at Tyrone now. Uh, you don't have any. No. That's the reality. Um, and the big thing, if I was looking at, and I am not Tyrone's cheerleader here, lads. <laughs> you know, if they don't play well, that doesn't particularly bother me, but I was annoyed looking at them at the weekend. All the talk about Tyrone, since they won the All-Ireland, there's been no people in the camp and they'd hang over after winning the All-Ireland and they lost loads of players and this guy didn't want to be on the squad and that. I get all that. The big fucking problem Tyrone have is the players that are there at the minute are all over the shop. Don't be giving out and saying if we had those 10 guys who left the panel or if we brought up another five of the under 20 team then we might be getting going. The key players for Tyrone all over the pitch are not playing well for them. There's serious issues going on there and the, the performance the other night okay, Mayo were good. Mayo were not the Harlem Globetrotters. Right? Mm. And how easily they walk through. Look at all four of those goals against Tyrone. And okay, there seems to be issues now going forward that they're not getting the ball to McCurry, they're, they're not kicking the ball, they're not being more expansive. And we look how much we praised them when Logan and Dewar came in initially. It was this whole new, fresh style of play. They were kicking it way more. That seems to have gone out the window. But at least they were always hard to fucking play against. Mm-hmm. They had loads of bodies back. They'd come in, they'd hit you. They'd be just not a good team to try and play against. But the other night, it was laughable how easy Mayo cut through them. Like, it was worrying. Aidan O'Shea's pass in to James Carr's goal. Like, Park Hamsey, that is criminal stuff. Criminal to give away that goal. But the, the biggest issue, uh, and the Hessians' goal is brilliant. Okay. It's beautiful, actually. I was right behind it. The dummy. Brilliant. But look at Connor Moyler will not want to see that again. I think it's Brennan as well. Like, walking through. And yeah. this is a team that was built on intensity. And the biggest, Thurman O'Connor's goal, I could yeah. not believe what I was looking at. A one-two from the halfway line and he just runs straight through the middle. Mm. No one near him. Everyone picks their own man. Oh, Myler is running out, marking some fella going out for smoke on the corner flag. Like, yeah. what, are you do- what are you doing going out there? It's just a whole systems failure. It's like, of all the teams that, that wouldn't be allowed to happen against, it would be Tyrone. That the body's coming in. You are, if you're going to run through on goal, if you score a goal, you have to earn it. And Mayo waltz through them. And like I said, Mayo are not exactly the, the top dogs of forward play. And so for all the issues with Tyrone, they're talking about missing players or this, that, and the other. The players that are there now need to have a serious... This one might be their 40th clear the air meeting this week <laughs> because I thought Saturday night was one of the worst I've seen from them in a long, long time. And that's... Not just the new guys, the key established guys who've been so good from over the years are not at the races for them. Yeah. You know, I'd love to see, I'd actually love to see what training each team is doing because 
some teams are getting up and down the field no better and some teams are so heavy-legged and you can see it in Tyrone when they do turn over the ball which is less probably than they than they have in the past but still when they do there's no sprinting going on they're not getting up the field with any pace it's like right we've turned it over let's go backwards take this thing out of the game attack slowly almost like Derry did last year when we ended up saying they're not going to score enough like that like the, the, the first year Logan and Dover were there this was the big thing it was so long they were taking yeah. more risk and it just seems to have gone whether that's from the coaches whether it's from the players they're clearly low on confidence and you're less likely to try a 40-yard kick pass if you're being beaten with 10 points at Castle. But even if they carry it at pace, if they carry it with a sprint, yeah, it's, it's better than hand-passing it backwards. Why, James, do you think that they have an eye on Monaghan in mid-April already in that Ulster quarter-final? It's, it's, it's hard to know. I, I'd love must, to see... They're, must, see they're, not, ju- they're not just playing bad because they look flat-footed. Yeah, like, and nobody goes out with, with with two months down the line on their mind. You're thinking about the game that's in front of you. But I, I wonder, they're not able, it's like the legs aren't there to go. Just punch a hole, sprint. I, I tell you what, and this is, a, this is a weird one to bring up, right? Because he only touched the ball about twice. But obviously had an eye on Rory Canavan when he comes in. You're interested to see how far he is away. He was getting himself in positions to shoot. And the only real thrown player that was dropping into the pocket, cutting off the shoulder, he never got the ball. So I don't know whether that's a confidence thing to slip it to him. They're not used to playing with him. But it's looking like they're going to need a spark from somewhere up top. And he, I don't know, maybe throwing him in from the start is the thing. Maybe he doesn't need to be playing under 20 league football at the minute, which is what he's doing. This is back to, 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 you're talking about a player. One player is going to change something or he needs to be playing or he doesn't need to be playing. That is not the issue with Toronto at the minute. It's they've no plan in their attack and they've, they're so porous defensively. That's like, it's an attitude thing, but it's a structure thing. Like, what are you trying to do defensively? That Dermot O'Connor goal cannot happen at senior inter-county level, never mind in Division 1 with teams trying to win an Ireland. Mm. So, so what is going on defensively? That's a complete system's failure. Guys, some guys are man-marking, other guys are like, it was just a shambles up front you're talking, they're rotating Kilpatrick and Colin McShane in and out of full forward. That is not working. And I don't think that's a great tactic for those lads either. So, so what are they doing? Like whatever, if Canavan's playing or Canavan's not playing, what are you trying to do up front? Because there doesn't seem to be any plan from there either. And then the other thing, and then you're getting into the Roy Keane aspect of it, what is going on with their best players? Because none of them are performing. And none of them performed last year. McCurry kind of broke even for them last year. But McGeary, Myler, Kilpatrick, Maddie Donnelly, Peter Hart, all these guys that are so instrumental to them winning the All-Ireland two years ago were not at the races. And everything we've seen to date, they are way off it again. So what's going on there mentally with those players? So talk about training plans and all that type of stuff. There, there's glaring issues all over. What are they trying to do defensively, offensively? And what the fuck is going on with your big players? Because they are, they're not contributing. Yeah. Well, lucky for Tyrone, they have Kerry coming to town next. So that's this. That probably is the game they need. That's not the worst game, to be fair. So that's going to be sparks flying in that game. And they have Monaghan away in round six and Armagh at home in round seven. So all eyes will be on those games. They're good games. Like the Arm- yeah. they had a history with Armagh, obviously, particularly after last season. So if you yeah. can't get up for those games and Kerry sure. comes down the All-Ireland champions. Kerry's one of those, Paddy, that's more than two points, isn't it? Yeah, it, uh, particularly it's now. Whatever it's a way to, yeah, it's a yeah. way to, to set the standard. So that game, when they win that game, you can nearly write off what's happened to date. 
but yeah, what we've seen does not look like they're in any position. That game is yeah, on yeah. TG Carr Sunday at 12.45. We're spoiled again this weekend. We'll have Goa Monaghan on the TG Carr app, if that tickles your fancy. And Roscommon Mayo will be deferred. I don't know how much shadow boxing will be going on there with those two teams and they're meeting in Connacht a week after the league ends. The other game on Saturday night is Derry Dublin. And, you know, we're, we've been keeping well with the time this week, lads. So we're going to touch on Dublin here um, and a little bit on the Division 2 dogfight before we wrap it up this week on the football pod. I will also add, Paddy, that um, the Hurling pod have been forced to bring in a swearing jar for James Skell. It's <laughs> currently empty, but I'm starting to think there that if we started a swearing jar here, you might get enough petrol into it, enough money for petrol to get the, the football pod booze bus to our roadshow, a roadshow and back when we get a roadshow going. So you know, uh, I'm riled up when I'm defending yeah, Toronto. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think it's a bit late to apologize to any young ears listening in, but uh, sure, look, you, you, you kind of know what you're getting at the pot at this stage. Um, Derry and Dublin this weekend. Mm. Would you be surprised if I said that Derry are the bookies' favorites, Paddy? No, I wouldn't. No, uh. Open Derry, that's a tough place to go. They're obviously they've been one of the most impressive teams. And, and look, if you look at Division 2, at the outset, we say Dublin and Derry will get promoted. Um, that will be the case. But how they've got about it over the first four games, Derry have been very impressive. They seem to have carried on where they left off from last year. Um, but with a, probably a little bit more spark and attack. Dublin have got four wins. Mm. But if you're being realistic, I don't think they've been anywhere near the level that they would hope to get to. Um, and we said this last year with the National League with Dublin where, where they were relegated from Division 1. You could kind of take that on the chin because the whole process, Dublin were trying to rebuild and find new players. And we kind of, okay, Lee Gannon kind of came through and had a good championship campaign. So you're looking, have Dublin found that this year in the four games of Division 2? You have to be honest and say they haven't, really. Guys have got opportunities, but there's no one really there standing up and saying okay he's going to be he's a he's a live championship contender so in that regard that will be probably disappointing for Dublin that there hasn't been someone putting their hands up um, and that they're not in the best of form but if there's one team that you would uh, with the experience Dublin have McCaffrey we've seen the impact he's made he'd probably get a start at the weekend you wouldn't put a past Dublin winning in Derry but it doesn't surprise me that Derry are, are favourites in Owen Beg this Saturday yeah. night and what yeah, we've once- seen here today once again at the weekend we, we said it against Cork that Fenton, Con, McCaffrey, McCarthy scored the last four points of the game that day and once again That's, why you'd, that's what you'd say even if they're not in good form you'd still you'd still give them a pretty good chance of getting results on Saturday night but on yeah. form yeah definitely Derry have been Derry have been probably the most impressive team in Division 2 today Yeah they've been, they've been very impressive but once again at the weekend Scully Costello, McCaffrey and Merchant were brought off the bench as they tried to get over the line against Clare. James, I don't know if you noticed this watching the highlights back, but I thought the Clare forwards were exceptional. The points mm-hmm. that they scored from play, they played, I thought, with a, a real abandon and confidence that you wouldn't necessarily always associate with teams playing against the Dubs under lights in Crow Park. Like, give an example, Emma McMahon's first point can take it on his right if he wants. Decides to throw in a dummy for the crack and kick it on his left. Mm. I don't know. There was a, a lack of fear, I felt. There was. I think that Dublin, if you ever hear of, of ex-premiership players talking about Man United under Ferguson, they'd say, they'd, United let you play a bit if you were good enough. 
And it was like Dublin kind of do that as well. If you want to play ball, like Dublin will let you and they'll usually, they'll just be better than you at it. Do you know that kind of way? Mm. But they left Clare play and Clare were, Clare were unbelievable up front. Some of the scores they kicked, Dublin were chasing shadows. But I, I, whatever about later in the year, Dublin are not going well at all. And it's, it's almost a taboo subject. If you say Dublin are going great. Stop smiling. Will you stop smiling? Don't write off Dublin. You can't write off Dublin. Don't say that. Like there's so many closet Dublin supporters in Kerry. It's actually frightening. (laughs) (laughs) No, but on on that point, right? Like Dublin defensively are under pressure, I feel. Yeah, they they don't have those those markers. uh, Clare forwards were brilliant and they're allowed to play. Too many teams have been allowed to play against Dublin defensively. Yeah. And you look through, like, five years ago, you have Johnny Cooper, Philly McMahon, James McCarthy's back there, Mick Fitzsimons. If you're a forward going up against those guys, those guys were established and they were hard to play against. And that's what, that's what I mean. We would say, we don't need to bring forwards back. We'll, we trust our lads to deal with that. The reality is Dublin have had massive turnover in their back line in particular. Mm. And look at their team sheet, Sean McMahon, Lee Gannon is still a very, very young player, newcomb. These guys, this is their first go playing with Dublin. And that, that's the Dublin full back line. So, so it's unfair to expect that these guys are going to be at an unbelievably high level immediately. And the reality is Dublin need to find these players. That if you look in the championship, if Dublin are playing Kerry, and you're a Dublin supporter, which I am, you're going Davy Byrne, Fitzsimons, Merchant, McCaffrey, McCarthy, and Brian Howard. We need every one of those guys back and, and half of them are missing now but every one of those guys back and fit. Otherwise, the depth really isn't there at the highest level. Yeah. And that's the worry for Dublin and that's what you've seen over the last couple of weekends. Like They've been kind of getting away with it. Like, would they yeah. have had, could they have said if, if Hurley's goal goes in and Cork beat them, they were very porous in that game. Hurley yeah. gets man of the match. Yeah. The same at the weekend against Clare. Clare are getting scores. Yes, their forwards are playing well, but they're being allowed to play well as well. And that's yeah. the worry for Dublin. That yes, it's brilliant having come back and you get Mannion up front and Kilkenny and these guys, but the, the turnover in their back line, it is a worry. And that is something that like it's hard to rectify it. And I think but, Saturday is, <clears throat> is the biggest challenge they're going to get in the National League by going up there against Derry. Um, but they need Fitzsimons, they need Merchant, injury free. And it's good, like I say, it's good to see Jack back. That's a positive, but it is a worry. Yeah. James, just to, to finish on what you were saying there, Dublin have Derry this weekend. That'll be a good test. They've got Loud and Mead then who will both need to win games. So, you know, their players will get pushed along the way. They're then set to play a Leinster quarterfinal against a Division 4 team, a Leinster semi-final against a Kildare or a Division 4 team, and mm-hmm. then a Division 3 or a 2 team in the Leinster final. You'd imagine Dublin are going to make their way into the All-Ireland series. So they're going to get three round-robin games. They'll be first seeds you know, they could get uh, Connacht runner-up, which is the Division 4 team, and more than likely one Division 1 I think team. they're in Kerry or... Oh, are they? Anyways. Yeah, they would be in Kerry's group. But My yeah, I know is, what you're saying. They could go yes. eight, nine games now before they face a Division 1 team in yeah. an All-Ireland quarterfinal. That's not good. That's not good. Like the, would, that you get in trouble? would you get in trouble for saying this now? <laughs> of who? People of Kerry. <laughs> no, I'm not writing them off. All I'm saying is, if, <laughs> if you actually think wow. about it, if you think of it right, you want to be playing as many high level games as possible. They've are, I wouldn't say Claire are top level by any stretch, and they they were nearly turned over 
Apparently a very a very bad referee decision cost him, according to Tommy. But right, what they have is a couple of handy games in the in the National League, okay, against Division Two opposition. Derry probably are of a much higher level. So they have this weekend. After this weekend, and they'll have a league final, they're not going to play any difficult opposition until possibly an All Ireland semi final. Like you're thinking about going in cold into an All Ireland semi final. I, I think that they could be caught. You know what, I, you're not, I just you're not I'm always saying this. I'm not just saying this because I'm dumb, obviously, but the experience that they have with the likes of McCarthy, Fentick, Kenny and all, I don't think that's never been an issue. For This was thrown at our team through many, many years that we'd be undercooked and it was never an issue. The guys will be ready to play and perform. I think the, the biggest issue, more so than what training they're doing or timing a run or, or not being tested, the biggest thing is personnel defensively. That's that's the and that's the hardest thing to fix. Do, do you know what I mean? I wouldn't be worried about being undercooked or any of that type of stuff. That's never been an issue for Dublin and with yeah. the experienced players they still have. But I, I'm thinking, I think they will have targeted this game in own bag of yeah. all the games in this division. I think they look like they'll have their best team playing on on this coming Saturday night, which they probably they did rest a couple of guys against Clare mm-hmm. and they had to bring them in off the bench to get a result. Um, but you're looking and going the depth which we spoke about the last two or three years they're still struggling defensively I feel that if there's an injury to a, a Mick Fitzsimons or a Davy Byrne or a Merchant and the reality is these guys have been around the block for a long time injuries do start to creep up if they're missing come All-Ireland Series time and like if Dublin are trying to play Kerry and John Small and Mick Fitzsimons are injured I mean you're, you're looking at the bench there's not the reality there's not they will suffer massively with that. So yeah. there's a little bit of luck involved, but that's the thing. That the, the Division 2, you're thinking, can they find two or three new players to put their hand up? That's what Desi would have been crying out for at the start of the season. And from what we've seen over the first four games, no one has, which is yeah. the, that's the, the worry. Well, all day on Saturday, it's team. on TV, so we'll get a good look at that on Saturday night. But just from your team, Paddy, he played Division 1. Like, he, no matter how the results were going, how you were playing, you were still playing against the top teams, getting a look at them, getting a yeah. feel for them. Yes, you know, it's the best. That's why I, I think it's the best place yeah, no. to go. Obviously, it is. You're, it is. Division level. two is like division two. You're not. You're not learning anything there. I don't think for Dublin, for a side they want to win the All Ireland, and mm. they're going into Leinster Championship. That is another division two. So they're not they're not going to get that test. I know we say undercooked is kind of an overused term in, in, in football. It's and it's it's proved to be rubbish. But just playing those lower standard games. Yeah, it does have to be Yeah. But but that's the worry for them. They say these are not the highest level games, and defensively they've been porous against uh, no disrespect, but the Clare and Cork, like they're not they're not all early contenders. No, and you're, yeah. you're you're struggling. You're being cut open. You're conceding scores and opportunities. I think Saturday is is an intriguing game. Yeah, I can't wait for it. where they're at because you get feedback on Saturday night. And if you're a young lad, like I said, I think it'll be a pretty experienced team that's going to play. But if you're one or two of the guys to get an opportunity, playing well in that game is worth playing mediocre the other four. You can't play in the big game, so it's it is. It's I'm really looking forward to on Saturday night. It'll be exciting because you can be sure as hell Gallagher is targeting this game as oh, well. As a hundred percent, they're real. They're the exact same. They're yeah, one hundred percent, lads. We've uh, we've gone a little long this week, so 
I wanted to get into the relegation dogfight in Division 2. I'm only going to give a quick overview because it's still going to be there next week. Too. Still going to exist next week, Paddy. Exactly. So quickly, Limerick, bottom, Done. zero points. We've got Clare on two points, Kildare on two points, Mead on four points, Loud on four points, and Cork on four points. And just to give you an idea that they're all beating each other and losing to each other, Cork lost to Mead, have beaten Kildare. Loud lost to Clare, have beaten Mead. Mead lost to Loud and have beaten Clare and Cork. Clare lost to Kildare and Mead and have beaten Loud. And Kildare have lost to Cork and beaten Clare. So next weekend, Corker and Ennis to take on Clare. Loud are hosting Kildare at home. Mead are away to Limerick. And we have Derry against Dublin. So Division 2, while well, we're keeping an eye on this weekend, we mentioned that big game in Division 3-2 uh, down against Cavan. Well, we're keeping a close eye on. Uh, last one to mention, we we had a bit of a, well, I definitely had a bit of a say on this a couple of weeks ago, but records in the GA and record keeping. Want to note at the weekend, uh, Paddy Maguire, Leitrim defender, made his 100th appearance for the county at the weekend. Oh. We gave Eminem Mulligan a great shout out last year when he did the same. I just think that at that level, most of the time competing in Division 4, the odd qualifier thrown in, to hit 100 games is is some going. So uh, congrats to Paddy and you can see You're this play, weekend. So well done. it was great stuff. Um, I think that's where we'll leave the pod this week, lads. I hope uh, all is well your way. We got in a bit of trouble last week with Darren O'Sullivan, James, when uh, I made a mistake on the edits and I switched around. I put Paddy in the number 15 position. Paddy usually had the number 13 <laughs> jersey on and James in the 15. So the we'll, we'll get that right this he week. Looked off. <laughs> 23. Enjoyed that, lads. Well done, boys. There's loads on. There's loads happening. Loads happening. Thanks everyone for tuning in as always. Share the pod, tell a friend, get them listening. And we will speak to you next week off the back of hopefully another great weekend of football. Take care. Paddy James, talk soon. Cheers, boys. Well-